0: Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Good morning. I'm Celine Castle, and this is my son, Declan and we are going to read to you 2nd Peter 3 verses 1 through 12 The day of the Lord is coming This is my second letter to you dear friends and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded Through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day.
1: The Lord is sent The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this that what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of the of God and hurrying it along on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames this was this is the alert war- this is the word of the Lord.
2: Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. Great job. Hey, give it up. Yeah, that's no joke. Uh, midweek, not only uh, got to text Celine and tell her about what she's reading, I said, it's a lot. She's like, why do you do this to me? And so, but then they brought their A game and matching outfits and all Kelly Green for all of you Eagles fans in the building. You're, let's let's go, birds. There it is. All right. Um, glad to be with you this morning. We're in Second Peter, uh, and it's kind of crazy because we're closing uh, this week, and then in two weeks we'll close Second Peter, and we'll have walked through First and Second Peter over this past year. And one of the things that I've just been reminded of as I've spent time in this is going, man, there is so much to Scripture. And I barely give it its due. I barely scratch the surface of what God is wanting to do in my life, what He's trying to speak to, and what He's trying to change. And so I've just kind of walked through that and you're like, yeah, Jared, that's your job. You're supposed to do this like this. We're glad you're talking about that, but like, that's what you're supposed to do. But that's our hope for all of us is going, we're going to spend time in scripture and we walk through this verse by verse as best as we can to try to say, okay, what needs to change? What does the spirit want to speak to in our lives? What, what are you saying, God? Because what matters is we're here together. We come together and then we go out from this place. And how we treat the people next to us and near us and and the people we work with speaks to where we're at with our Savior and whether we're ready to submit to Him in all areas of our life. And so today I'm going to process a little bit together of going, man, there's probably things in your life, and I'm going to only tell you, there's things in my life that I am still working to allow the Spirit to have reign over. And what that is, is it's a lack of submission to the king. I I still fight him on many things. I grew up basically a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus very early, but I still am fighting him even though I know he's right. Maybe that's not you, but maybe that can be in a little bit of encouragement today is my words are still sharp and mean sometimes and, and rude, even though I know that's not the way I should be showing grace and love to other people. And so I want to kind of just walk through things. So one, I want you to hear our values. And, and as we've gone through this, I hope that you've kind of seen how our values intermix with what we're calling ourselves to. And so at 717, we are not the answer to all things. That is Jesus, right? We instead are deciding to be together, to do relationship towards Jesus together. And so our values are we're going to worship King Jesus with our lives. And that's a big statement. We're going to learn and live God's word as we journey with others. We seek to wreck our kingdom to build his, and we simply want to follow the king. And so that's kind of the overarching principle. When we gather together, we want to walk forward in that because we know that we are not the answer. We also know that we choose, I choose heartache and brokenness over my king all the time. And so when I gather together, I want to be people around people that are honest, is going, you know what? This week was brutal. And so in the past week, just in the last seven days of my life, and I'm sure this is similar to you, people have told me about uh, babies that are coming, praying for babies that might come, celebrating grand- being grandpas and grandmas for the first time. We've got people that are struggling through loneliness that we don't even fully understand. We have people walking through health issues that we don't even grasp and we can't fix and we're begging for uh, healing, but we're saying, God, we don't know, but we trust you. We have marriages that are right at the brink of going, man, God, what, what, what are you going to do? I can't fix this, but you have to move. And so all of us are coming into this space going, you know what? I need Jesus today, right? Right? Because that just barely scratches the surface of what is actually happening in all of our lives. And we could go person by person, walk through this space, who all of us have it relatively together. relatives a fun word. But all of us are going, I'm doing okay in life, but holy cow, this. God, I need you. And so until we learn and lean into submission, until we trust Him a little bit more in the areas we're keeping Him from, and until we actually allow Scripture to change us, right? I'm going to keep banging my head against the wall because I know better. And so when we're talking about all this, the hope of scripture is going, the hope is not to beat you down. It's not to oppress. Instead, scripture actually brings us hope because scripture says, I know exactly where you are and I know what I have for you, which is life and hope. Doesn't mean it's not easy or doesn't mean it's not hard, but it is. I am with you through all of those. And so I'm going to get into today, and I want to share just a little bit of like, God, okay, we, we're, we're closing this book, and what does this mean? And what does this mean for our day today? And what does this mean for us here locally? But God speak today. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, growing up, um, growing up was my mom and me, and uh, I was basically an uh, only child because my brothers were so much older. And one of my favorite things growing up Summertime, Baltimore, it's hot, right? It's like 100 degrees, and we, had, we did not have central air. We had window units, okay? One of my favorite things growing up, and, and maybe you're like this, is actually uh, turning the air conditioner as cold as possible, like freezing the room, and then being able to use your comforter. Anybody else? You know how good that feels? Like, you're just like, oh, if I get out of here, I'm going to be frosted. It's going to be cold. But in here, right, and there's just so much comfort in it. There's so much, oh, this feels good. I don't ever want to leave. I can ditch everything else that I'm supposed to be doing. And there's a comfort there that if I can just pull up the covers, if I can just roll up under here, everything's okay for a couple minutes. Life is good. I just can disappear. And without fail, my mom was never a person to let anybody sleep in. Not allowed. Does not. She had a list for me to do if she wasn't there. And so my mom would actually, uh, she was really annoying, is that she'd do this thing called roll out the barrel. I'm a grown boy. And she would lay across, so I'm laying this way, she'd lay across me and roll up and down my body singing this awful song, roll out the barrel roll out the barrel of fun. And I was like, why are you doing this? What is wrong with you? But she knew I'd be so mad and so frustrated. I had to get up. Right. I just, I, I and then I had kids and now I'm doing the exact same thing to them. Oh man. She laughed about that one. So we're going to dive into the text today. And, and so my point is that, is that man, that moment of being up under those covers, life is good for a little bit. And so the text starts with this reminder that we are beloved, right? And so, I want you to look to somebody close to you. Hopefully, you know them. If not, you're going to look them in the eyes, and it's going to be awkward, okay? And just tell them they are loved. <laughs> look at them. Tell them you are loved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How many of you had an awkward eye contact? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I actually really like to do that for fun. Tell people I love them and I know it's awkward for them. But this is the truth of the fact is that we are a part of the kingdom. We're a part of the kingdom. We are Christians because of what Christ has done, not by us, is that we are together, we are loved, and we have that mutual love by what he has done. And what that does is, here's the truth of the matter. There is hurt even inside the body— inside the kingdom that if we don't actually live like we're supposed to be, we don't let it change the way. So I'll give you an example. There is hurt inside the body, right? There's times where no matter what we're going to make somebody mad, we're going to sin. And if we don't go and work that out together, then we are no different than the rest of the world. Sometimes it's even worse than the rest of the world because they'll at least talk about it. Maybe use the words that you're not used to hearing. But at the very least, if we are beloved, this is Peter's calling us. He said, beloved, he said, this is who we are. We're Christians under the mutual love of our Savior. We have to understand that it calls us to love people. Now, if you're like me, there is a lot of people that I'm like, oh my word, that's really dumb. Why are you doing that? But the difference is, I have a heart and grace and love for someone because of what Christ has done for me, right? My heart changes for the people around me. My my heart has grace for those around me. My heart has love for the people that we interact with, not because I like everything they do, but because Christ loves me and I know my brokenness. And so Jesus— First John 4, he reminds us that we can be loved. We can love because he first loved us. And so Jesus is ultimate in all things. We love because he loved us. We should love each other because he loves us. Our claim of Jesus unifies us. If you claim Jesus, you are unified in the body. And that means we must act differently. It should drive us closer to each other. It sets forgiveness, grace, and mercy as the norm in our relationships. Because of Jesus, love is the answer, right? Love is the thing that comes out of us. And it reminds us that forgiveness, grace, and mercy are at the base of our connection. If we're on the team, this is how we act. You say, Jared, well, you don't know what they did to me. Forgiveness, love, and grace are the base of our love. Can we pause for a second and just think, who are the people or situations the Spirit's moving you to forgive? Who are the people or situations the Spirit is moving you to forgive? Maybe to show grace to again, or be merciful in. If you have somebody, text yourself that name. Do something to go, you know what? I know the Spirit's moving and I've got to forgive this person. You're like, Jeff. really? This is what I am working through personally, is going, there are people, there are situations in my life that I am still trying to fight the Spirit for control of and I refuse to forgive them because I want to hold control of it. If we're on the team, this is how we act. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy are the base of our connection. We are the kings. The king brings us in. He wipes all of our sin away and sets us free to learn to act like he does. That's who we are. We are the kings. He brings us in. He wipes our sin away. He is the one that sets us right. And because of that, then we get to go and learn and how to do that to the people around us. And so our hope today is going, all right, I know there's things right now. I know there's things that I know the spirit knows, right? Like I know that you know that I know that you know, right? What are you doing to actually allow the spirit to change you? Because the point of all of this is Jesus. The point of all of this is Jesus. We've walked through two whole books of the Bible over the last uh, couple months. They've helped us understand how we should live because what Jesus is doing. Hopefully you've heard me say this many times. Better humans is not the goal, but it is the outcome. Better humans is not the goal, but it is the outcome. The reminders that Peter talks about in this section of scripture are not just about morality, but they're about the kingdom, right? This is not about being a better person, but this is about how we act as a part of the kingdom, If he's your king, this is how we should act. If we're refusing to change those things, we now know the areas we're fighting the king on, and now we know where the Spirit wants to get to. Right? When you and I respond to situations the way Jesus is trying to change us to do, the situation is turned on its head. When you and I actually respond and we go, you know what, I'm actually going to do what he tells me. To. I'm going to show grace and this mercy in this thing. The whole situation gets turned over and it doesn't mean it's fixed, but it means that it's now he's in control instead of my response. Morals are great things, but they can become our God and thus making us the king of our lives. The thought process, maybe you've seen this play out, maybe in your life or somebody else's, the thought process goes like this. I'm right most of the time, so I must be king. I'm right most of the time. Jared, I'm like right like 99% of the time, right? And then someone close to me tells me I'm wrong and I say they're dumb. But what happens is when we're used to being right, we fall in love with us instead of what changed in us to be right. This is the spirit at work in changing us, not for our glory, there is huge benefits to following morals, right? Huge benefits. Scripture calls us to, but they lack the God-given purpose that moves us to say something when we normally wouldn't. So let me whack up. Morals are there to help us understand how we should act, but God's purpose in those morals is a reminder of when to step in and say, man, this is because of Jesus. If we're right all the time, if you're just moral, right? I'm, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to practice this. I'm going to do this. If I'm just simply moral, then I'm lacking the purpose behind them, which actually moves in us to go, this purpose is because of what Jesus. The only reason I can act like this is Jesus. The only reason I can respond differently to situations is because of Jesus. The only way is Jesus. And so this is why we kind of walk through scripture together is go that we should remember the predictions and the commandments. That's what Peter reminds us of. If this is all about Jesus and the reminders are not just about our morals, but instead that we're actually seeing scripture fulfilled, we actually have to do what we read. And for many of us who've been at this relationship with Jesus for a while, the problem is usually not from hearing a lack of teaching, right? Most of us that have gone to church for more than probably a couple years, you've heard enough messages that could probably maybe should change your life, right? Most Christians are not suffering from lack of content that they're consuming. Instead, we're struggling with application of what that means for our day-to-day life. Right? This is a good thing. Coming to church, being together, being the body of Christ, stepping in and encouraging each other. But it is not a lack of content that we're struggling under. It's application for our day-to-day life. And this is why we believe in what we're stepping into. The reason we say, hey, we're going to meet and gather here. We're going to hear God's word. We're going to study it together. And then we look to go that next week. I want to meet with people that think similar to me, but that can sharpen me and help me understand I need to be different at work that next week. This is why we're doing what we're doing is going, I need people constantly in my life to hold me accountable to actually take a step. Otherwise, I wait for New Year's to start a new resolution, right? As Christians in the West, we are tied to consumerism, learning with no application and busyness. And we easily forget what Christ calls us to be doing so we don't stay sharp. As Christians in the West, we're tied to consumerism, learning with no application and busyness. And because of that, we easily forget what we're supposed to be doing. I'll give you a for instance. If you have not been around somebody that doesn't know Jesus and you've actually invested in them, you probably forget what it's like to be around them. What we mostly do as Christians is we actually go to work, but we want to keep people farther enough away so that they don't cause me more work, right? Or we surround ourselves with enough Christians that we don't need anybody else and we don't need to be around anybody that doesn't know Jesus. Do you see how we insulate ourselves, right? You can come to church every Sunday for the rest of your life and love the Bible and study it and worship, but you actually might miss the portions of the body that go, man, somebody that doesn't know Jesus is going to keep you a lot sharper than just hanging around Christians all the time. And so we lose our spiritual effectiveness when we insulate ourselves from anyone who might make our world harder. We lose our spiritual effectiveness when we insulate ourselves from anyone who might make our world harder. And the reason we do that is because Jesus isn't king. I'm king. There's no room. There's no margin. There's no, there's nothing. I can't give one more thing. I'm not asking anything from you. I'm asking for you to say, Spirit, what do you want me to do this week at work? How do you want me to respond differently? You see, we are to live for what's coming and the way we do that is to live like he is king. Our bended knee and freely given up control speaks to Jesus. Our bended knee and freely given up control speaks to who Jesus is. Our willingness to seek forgiveness speaks to who Jesus is. Do you know how different it is when someone comes and seeks forgiveness from you? Think about that for a second. If we do the same, if we practice that as a body, if we this week simply go, you know what, I really screwed this up last week. Can you forgive me? It changes it. Our desire to seek seek justice given in Jesus' name and not ours, right? We want Jesus to do the justice. We want to follow. Our desire to speak for those who can't, that is what the church should be doing. Our desire to not bury ourselves in vices and fortified homes speaks to who Jesus is. Our desire and our willingness to show grace even when we have them. You know what I mean by that? If we show grace, even though we own it, we own the situation, if we show grace in those moments, we speak to who Jesus is. When we read the Beatitudes and tell me, though, that they don't speak to a life lived differently, every part of scripture is calling you to the opposite of what this world is, and it's calling me and it's going, are you willing to trust me that this is right? The problem is for me, most of the time, I am trying to get God to do what I want by my version of good behavior. I still view God as a genie. I'm still viewing him. I'm like, God, don't don't you see what I did over here? Don't you see that? I did that. Now give me this. And this is where false prophets and teachers come in. Instead of bending my knee to the king, I find someone who preaches something that makes me feel good and only lets me give up what I want to give up. That's where false teachers come in. Because we stop applying scripture and we go, you know what, if I can just find somebody to make me feel good, I believe in hope. But making me comfortable, I don't believe in that. I believe in grace, I believe in mercy, I believe in truth, but making me comfortable? Nah, that's why we want you to hear. We don't necessarily want you to serve here just to serve. We want you to believe in what you're doing. I'd rather you be on mission outside of this place than doing something here just to make yourself feel good. I don't want guilt. You see, I find someone who preaches something that makes me feel good and only lets me give up when I want to give up and they love me because I give to their cause. Their distraction keeps you from Jesus. Specifically here, the false teachers were saying, where's God? I don't see him. Why didn't he come back? Peter's reminding them. God's like, hey, where you at? He left a while ago. Has he come back yet? Ah, he's probably not coming, right? So we should probably do slightly different. He hasn't done what he said he was going to do. God isn't good. He isn't right. A short-sighted approach to Jesus, Scripture, and faith always leads us to be king and denies the whole of time where he's been king. Just take a second, okay? Let's breathe for a second. Think about creation, Even in its broken state, think about creation. All the things we've learned, all the things we understand, we haven't even scratched the whole of creation. And God claims to create that and to actually have that for his glory. And we go, ah, that's cool. (laughs) It's like, Like you listen to science and you're like, that's amazing. God created all those things. God's at work in all those things. Even in the brokenness, he uses all those things. And then you look at the human body, ever take a second and go, holy cow, this broken body still exists with all the systems inside and someone created that. That's who our God is. And that's just to name a few of the things of his creation that drives us to make a decision. The point is we've made our lives the most important thing. And man, I easily become the person that navel gazes. Things aren't going my way. It's time to circle the wagons and focus on Jer. Things aren't going my way. This is not what I wanted. This is not how I did this. This is not why I was a good person. I'm circling the wagons. It's time to take care of Jer. And this is why Peter points out, our king is outside of time because time is our grace and not our pleasure. And this is what I want you to hear today. Time is our grace and not our pleasure. Verses eight and nine. The father is at work bringing him, bringing people to himself and making us more like him. If you want to understand what we're doing, the father is at work bringing people to himself and making us more like him. The pause in time from Jesus's resurrection until now is his grace so that we all have opportunity to love him. He is outside of time. And if you're like me, you've said this, Jesus, come back soon. No, I just need Jesus to come back soon. Take me up out of here. Let's go. Anybody else said that in the last couple of years? We're about to step into an election cycle. I guarantee you, you all are going to say that no matter what you believe, right? World is crazy. We're like, Jesus, get me up out of here. I understand the sentiment. I've said the same thing. But if we think about this differently, it's actually going, God is at work here. He has given us grace for today to step into what he has in front of you and going, man, there's hope here today. There's hope here today. When you show up to work, when you show up at your place, wherever you go, there is hope there today because Jesus is at work in you speaking to other people about how you live. Right? There is not a moment that you don't have on this planet that is not a grace from God saying, I want to use for your, I want to use what you're going through. I want to use what you're working through. You are not by yourself. You are with the King and I am with you as you walk through those moments. Time is our grace, not our pleasure. Many of us, especially if we've used that Jesus come back soon thought process, you're probably dealing with really crazy people, right? Normally it's a response to somebody's ridiculous situation. Lord, you know, like this is crazy. These people are nuts. Lord, come get me. And while we're being silly and we, you know, we know, but like knowing that with our Savior is exactly where he wants us to be. We also sort of jokingly deny the purpose that we're supposed to be on. And that's why verse nine is so amazing. Because at the point of this is repentance. This is why as Christians, we should be the lead repenters in our friend group. We as Christians should be the lead repenters in our friend group. Pause for a second and think about when's the last time you repented in a relationship. could be anything. Sometimes we're forced repentance, right? But a lot of times we'll just go, ah, if I just move on quietly, no one will know. but when's the last time you actually repented in your relationships? And guys, let me just pause here and go, this is what I am trying to learn in my house. I have three little humans that are fighting me for control all the time and a wife that is full of grace, but also she holds me accountable. When is the last time you repented? And if I can't repent there, Where else am I going to repent? All right. Verse 10 and 11, all of this is going to be gone. There's a promise that all of this has to go to make room for what's coming. There is a natural drawback if we think about the flood. Like if we ever actually sat down and thought, man, how could God do that? There's a natural drawback. We go, okay. But what it reminds us is All things have been tainted by sin that broke, it breaks our bodies, causes the death of the most beautiful things in creation. A lot of us have really good lives. Not perfect, but if we're honest, they're pretty good. Myself included. The danger in my life though, and maybe in yours, is going, this ain't half bad. Look what all I have. I I, I got it pretty good. Why would I ever want this to stop? I slowly pull those covers back up over my head. The air conditioning's running and man, it's good in here. I take ownership that these are mine and my hopes there. If I never leave this spot, I don't have to risk messing this up. So I cover up my sin. I only show people the good stuff. I post about enviable, enviable moments. The hard stuff I avoid so I can keep my comfort. Our Savior is calling us to the exact opposite. He came for the stuff you're hiding. He already owns all the stuff you have. He wants all of you, every single part of you, for his glory. So that no one can be confused whose you are. He wants all of you. So verse 11, what sort of people ought we to be? Matthew Henry says it this way. All the truths which are revealed in Scripture should be improved for our advancement in practical godliness. All Scripture should be used to make us closer to Him. This is the effect that knowledge must produce. Knowledge must produce life change, or we're never the better for it. So let's play the hand game. This is fun. Raise your hand. I'm being serious. How many of us know there is someone We need to forgive and haven't yet. Me too. How about this one? Someone we need to keep forgiving and we know we're going to have to keep forgiving for a long period of time. Do you feel that for a second though? How about, I know there's somebody I need to seek forgiveness from. Okay. Now, here's the one. How about we're constantly seeking the line between showing grace and shutting people out? Now, don't put your hands up for that one. I want to explain it. In many ways, we're in relationships that are causing us to process, do I show more grace? God, I think I'm at the end of my rope. Do I show more grace or do I shut them out? I can't answer that question for you, but that's where you should have people praying with you of going, we don't know but you're not alone. And we're going to walk through this together. My actions directly speak to what I believe in. My emotions are indicators to the, indi- uh, to the issues that are going. My things I use to escape tell me there are things I'm hiding from. I had a great conversation with a friend last night. We went and hit golf balls uh, late at the Lititz, uh golf thing. And we just were talking about how easy it is we can put in the things in our lives so that we can escape. I just hide a little bit. I pull up the covers more than I run to the king. And that's why we're waiting and hastening for the Lord. All of this is going to be gone, but there's always hope. Verse 13, if you have your Bibles, I'd underline it. We are waiting We can live differently here because of what the Spirit is doing through us because we know there is more later. We can live differently here because of what the Spirit is doing through us and because we know there is more later. Who Jesus is brings hope into all situations. We have hope at all times because it is rooted in him, not in us and not in our things. I will be constantly frustrated if I have put my hope in something other than Jesus. All things will fail me. We don't have to pull up the covers to build our comfort. He is above time. He is at work so that no one has to perish. He is giving grace upon grace as opportunities to see him. All things are used for his glory and to make us more like him. The very thing you are working through, he is using for your glory. To redeem and to pour into others and to speak his name. The very thing you're working through, he is using for his glory to redeem, to pour into others, and to speak his name. There's purpose in exactly what you're working through. You're not by yourself. Hope is not lost. The king is here. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to walk through some questions. Father God, thank you. Father, your word changes us. And so, Father, it it is in the most grace-filled way that it forces us to make a decision. And so, Father, in my life, many moments of my life, no decision was my decision. And so, Father, I'm asking, help me. Father, the things I've raised my hand about, the things that I know that there's things I need to forgive, there's things that I know I need to seek forgiveness of. Give me strength this week. Remind me of those situations. May we start a text thread. May it be something that opens us up to going, you know what, God? Because of you, we can live differently. And so help us. Father, we need you. And we love you. In your name, amen. So every week we have uh, questions and it's just going to be a couple minutes of just walking through. And the goal of these is simply going, if you want to take a picture, if you want to take a second, just to process, whatever it might be, is simply going, okay, God, what, what do you want to do in these moments? And so these questions are stuff that kind of came from teaching and the reminder of like what, uh, like the mix. Uh, and then we always say at the very end, if none of this matters or none of this is maybe connecting with you, pray for a local church. We are a part of the body of Christ and we believe that God is at work and we want all things to move in them and to move us closer to them, or closer to Jesus, okay? So number one, 717's values say we want to wreck our kingdoms to build his. Are there situations you have lost hope in and in doing so went into self, full self-protect mode, right? Start building up walls, I'm gonna handle this situation and God, I'm going to bury myself instead of run to you. Number two, find the difference between comfort seeking and healthy rest. What do you do more of? Okay. This is a tough one. What do you do? Rest is always a good thing. Biblical rest is a good thing. There is times and places and it matters, right? But is there comfort seeking that just keeps you pacified under the covers? Number three, what spe- specific things would change if we viewed his patience in returning as a gift of grace instead of that he hasn't come to get me yet? Right? Many of us want to just get up out of here so I can get up to my comfort in heaven. Right? But if we view it as this is today, is God's gift of grace for what we're called to do, it changes what we're supposed to be doing. So we're going to pray a song for just a minute or two and we'll come back together, we'll pray And then we'll step forward into our day. Jesus, just like that song says, everything is yours. Father, each of us are working through things in our lives. And so, Father, our past, our presence, and and we believe our future, you're at work. Father, there's healing in many of our past that we need you to move in. Father, there's present situations that we're working through that are connected to our past that we just don't even know how for you to move. And Father, they affect our future, and and they affect sometimes what we focus on, and they affect the way we respond. And so, Father, we're asking, because you are the God of all things, that time does not matter to you, is, Father, that you speak directly to us, that your Spirit moves in us today. And, Father, we find surrender places in our lives. Father, that there's grace that we never experienced before, that we are able to set aside religion and and how we're trying to manipulate the situation between you and I, but instead we bend our knee and go, God, this is yours. And so, Father, thank you for your word. It speaks to all of our lives and, and reminds us that you are king. But, Father, you're not a king who is far off. Father, you're with us. There is hope for every part of our lives today because you are who you are. May we experience that in a new way today. We love you. We need you. Thank you in your precious name. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what His Word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.